Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the Grouch Anthem? No, no, no. With a Grouch Anthem, you stay sitting down. Down in front, man. You should never let people see your card. When to bluff, when to call. I did not raise. I flipped over the ace. I raked on the chips. Pretty good pop. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode four of Badoogie All-Stars. Uh, we have a special guest this week in Tommy Angelo. I'm sure you guys will skip to that part of the interview and get through this intro crap uh, as quickly as possible. Um, but uh, for those who don't, because they can't find the fast-forward button, uh, how was your week, Bryce? It's It was all right. Um, still, like, trying to get through this whole, like, not having poker money, but... I started watching Solid State PLO. I'm thinking maybe I'm going to throw a little bit of money on, start at tiny, tiny stakes and play PLO, and maybe I can, you know, luckbox my way into more money. But I don't know. I mean, it's definitely, it's hard to take up a new game at the same time as being frustrated that I can't play the game I normally play. So I'm not, I haven't decided yet. But So why, why PLO? Uh, I don't know. I've always thought PLO seemed like, an interesting game. I think so much of Hold'em, people complain about bad beats and all of that, but that's so much of why Hold'em is such a great game, is that people can think that they know what they're doing when they don't. And PLO seems even more so that way. You know, you get it in as a 70-30 dog, and when you think you're a genius, and really you're an idiot. Yeah. So, I maybe I, either that, or I will play horribly and win a bunch of money and convince myself that I am awesome at PLO. Yeah, I guess it's, it's win-win. You either you either win or you lose and think that you're a winner. Exactly. <laughs> Somehow. Uh, yeah, I don't Cause know. Because I, I'll use words like rundown and double suited and feel <laughs> like that means I know more than anyone who beat me. Yeah, I I know I told this before on the previous episode, but when I was playing 08, uh, I got dealt ace-ace-king-king king, double suited, which uh, I don't know if you know, but is pretty good in PLO. I, I haven't gotten that far in the series. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. I I try and get all four cards to be the same because that way I have a, I have quads. Yeah, I quads is hard to beat, but uh, I don't know. I've heard good things about this ace-ace-king-king double-suited hand, so I actually took a picture of it. Um, but then I realized, I was like, well, I'm still playing 08, so this doesn't really... I mean, it's, it's still an okay hand, but... It's going to be how tough to make a low. You, how often are you photographing hands when you play um, poker? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I mean, considering our, our image on, I, on uh, iTunes is a picture of one of your hands, is it just something you do? Like, oh, I have a hand. Click. Well, I don't know about how often I, I take pictures of my poker hands, but I, I, I am actually well known for taking pictures of desserts. Um, I, I thought you were going to say you were a hand model in real life. <laughs> Like George Costanza? Yes. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I, do, I always do take pictures of uh, really sweet food. Like I went out to, where was it, Salt Lake City? Was it Salt Lake City or Portland? I went back to back. Uh, I think it was Salt Lake City. There's a place called Cachina Toscana. Had the best lasagna I've ever had. Also the most expensive lasagna I've ever had. It was like, all I got was lasagna and a glass of water. And after tip, it was like forty-two dollars or something. 
Um, most expensive glass of water you've ever had. Yeah, I didn't look. I didn't look at the breakdown. Maybe the water was very expensive out there. Um, but yeah, that I remember that that lasagna, best lasagna I've ever had. Cochina Toscana. If you're in Salt Lake City, check it out. Um, and then I took a picture when I went to Portland. Was it? No, I think that was still in Salt Lake City. Uh, I went to some meatball sub place. I it's not going to be helpful because now I can't remember the name of the meatball sub place, but had the best meatball sub I've ever had in there. I took a picture of that as well. Will there be enough evidence in the photograph to construct which meatball sub place you went, do you think? Like, is there like, you might be able to see an edge of the menu and we can Perry Mason our way back to this place? I don't think we're going to be able to do that, but you can see the park that you can, that, you know, like if you're sitting in the meatball sub place, it, it overlooks a, a big park area. So if anyone knows uh, the Salt Lake City area, they might be able to help me out. And it might be it might be well known. I don't know. The park or the meatball subplace, either one. If either one is well known, yeah. we're on our way. <laughs> yeah, if you live near Salt Lake City and know of any park whatsoever, let me know. <laughs> yeah, and as a, as a small plug, if you guys are interested in our, our detective podcast, it'll be starting soon. So. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I often take pictures of my food for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Um, yeah, I I I do that sometimes too. And then I look through the pictures that I have, and it's like, oh, that's dinner. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I, I guess I like to tease myself later. I went to this place in in Portland called the Waffle Window. Um, someone recommended it to me on DC, and I got the hot fudge. I uh, was it hot fudge Sunday waffle. Um, and that was pretty pretty good. It was just basically a waffle and then an, tons of ice cream, whip, whipped cream, and uh, uh, chocolate sauce and just different things. I don't think it was supposed to be breakfast. I'm not sure. <laughs> Could you see a park out of the waffle window? Um, no. Portland Portland has a, a fair amount of parks, I believe, but uh, where this is located was just a bunch of streets. I remember I went out there for work and I took a taxi because I obviously didn't have a car. So I took a taxi to the waffle window and ate. And then I, I only had an hour for my lunch break. And uh, and then I went back out and I quickly realized that there were no taxis to be found. And I was probably three miles from where our, our class was being held. And I... I think I finally found a cab like when I was a quarter of a mile away and I was like, well, screw that. But I was significantly late to class that day. And it's not like you're going to be able to run because you just ate at Waffle Window. But... Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, it was it was like, oh, son of a... There's, there's just... I don't know, maybe... I know Portland's big on like... It's sort of like Seattle in that it's kind of hippie-ish. Um, so maybe they just had a lot of bikes and stuff. I don't know, but... You're kind of into yeah. that hippie stuff, right? Yeah, I am. I, yeah. I have, in that I have a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Damn, hippie. I do, right, I ride my bike to work, and that makes me a hippie. Yeah. Um, um, I actually I, mean, I live, in, live in California, so everybody who from outside of California assumes, thus, I am a hippie. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I actually just, whenever I think California, I just think L.A., and then, if, then I think smog. So it seems nope. unhippie-ish to have smog. No, that's the other. There's no the hip, hippies are in the northern part without the smog. Down there, it's cars, and we balance it out by riding our bikes and playing 
I don't know, hacky sack. Yeah. I don't know. For but the ultimate I'm not, really sure what, I'm not really up on what hippies do wearing tie-dye. Yeah. Know, well, dr- drugs and Woodstock is pretty much, I think, their thing. Yeah. I, think, I don't think Woodstock so much anymore. I mean, that was a while ago. Just, yeah. just like... <laughs> Just so you're aware, there's not a bunch of hippies now going, man, I'm going to Woodstock. <laughs> I, I assumed that all they do is the, sit around and talk about Woodstock. Yeah, because Woodstock's on your half of the country. It's not like... Oh, was it? Yeah, it's in New York. We can't ride our bikes that far. Oh. Uh, we can't actually get there anymore because so, Volkswagen buses. Woodstock, Woodstock was in New York? Yeah. Is it a town? Is it called Woodstock? I think so. I think it's either it was in a town or it was near that yellow bird from Snoopy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Named it after? I don't... Yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure it's in New York. Look it up. No. Um, I'm we'll not going to do that. In, we'll talk about this in our geography podcast. <laughs> we have a lot of podcasts. Um, no one listens to this one. No one will listen to that one. It's all the same. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I always thought, like, like hippies, they wouldn't go to New York, of all places, to go it's to upstate, a concert. That's upstate New York, though. So are so they hippies, different. too? Is, like, is, is every upstate... I just... So upstate California and upstate New York are hippies? We don't call it upstate. We call it northern. But, no, I mean... Hmm. Well, I mean, all of, the, all of the drugs come from very northern California. There's a city called Weed up there. It's the most accurately named city in the state. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I would actually, I actually do envy you and would love to be able to ride my bike to work instead of sitting in traffic yeah um, but going back to that that taxi thing they also in addition to bikes have phones in oregon and you could have called a taxi i just wanted to point that out just yeah just yeah i actually saw a taxi drive by and saw the number um but I, mm-hmm. and i tried to hail him down but he, he wouldn't come to me for some reason um and uh, I thought about calling the number, and then I was like, well, I'll just wait for the next one. And I said that for two and a half miles, and then I was almost home, or almost back to the class. So, But, yeah, whatever. Um, so anyway, enough about my PLO. Why don't we talk about something else? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's going on with you? Um, well, uh, let's see. About this, I think this is going to air, uh, we'll release it on the 25th, I believe. That seems um, quite possible. Um, so to coincide with with that date, uh, I know I kind of alluded to this in my blog, but uh, the super secret project that me and a few friends have been working on will be re- released um, by the time this airs, I guess, uh, assuming no big technical errors or anything like that. Um, Especially but, since we don't ever edit for content, so that won't slow us down. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's actually a fantasy poker site uh, called Own Ivy. Um, if you go to ownivy.com, uh, you'll be able to learn a lot more about it. Uh, it's basically fantasy football, but for poker. And we're doing the World Series uh, right off the bat. We'll, we hope to do um, like Annie Duke's uh, what is it called? The Federated Poker League. Yeah, let's go with that. I think that I know Federated was in there. Yeah, it's it like FS like, plus G, which I think is an odd acronym to have a plus in there. But yeah, it's almost like having a two in one of your acronyms. That's just weird. Yeah, shut up. Um, 
uh, Own Ivy, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's fantasy poker, so go check it out at ownivy.com. Um, you can get together with your friends and uh, uh, join a league. Uh, you pick 10 people that you want to follow during the World Series, um, whether that's, you know, Eric Seidel and Johnny Chan and you know whom, whomever else you you know Jerry Yang uh <laughs> only people seen in rounders is that, <laughs> is that what you're going for is that your knowledge of poker comes from rounders still yeah is basically Matt, is Matt Matt Damon and Ed Norton are in, are playing this year they can be on your team too yeah well you'd have to look under worm but uh but yeah if you want to select uh Matt Damon worm uh Kanish uh <laughs> And KGB. Uh, if that's your team, you can enter that in, and uh, and you can play for money. You can uh, do like a ten dollar uh, buy-in, or t- I think we're up to uh, you can do up to a hundred dollar buy-in. Uh, if you want to do more than that, you can just uh, let us know, and we'll arrange that. Um, but yeah, check it out. Uh, the World Series is getting ready to start on the 31st, so get your teams in before then if you want to do it. Um, but I'm excited. I, I uh, Are you going to play? Yes. <laughs> I, I, am, I am likely to. I don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if I know 10 poker players is the problem. I mean, I really probably would end up with the Kanish on my team. And I, would, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, Kanish and Johnny Chan have similar results lately, I think, but... I don't Ooh, know if that's true. Low blow. I, I don't know if that's true. I don't actually know how John Chan does, but he crushed on high stakes poker. I think. What? I I did think he? He, I think so. I don't know. Maybe not. Right. I thought he was doing well. I, he did something on high stakes poker. He did do something on high stakes <laughs> poker. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that meant he was doing well. Yes. Did he? Ha- he had a, he had chips in front of him and had cards and he was playing. Yeah, and um, he and. Uh, because I think high stakes poker is one of the first events of the World Series. This year, right? <laughs> oh no, that different kind of poker. You're yeah, right. yeah. Okay, well, you got I'm me. Just saying, right. I don't know. Um, Actually, I don't know anything about Chan. Sorry, Johnny Chan, when he listens to this. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, Kanish. <laughs> Kanish is very upset that you all, that you all, uh, fi- all fictional poker players that have been dragged down. No, I don't. I think I'll probably play. I, I need to. I mean, I haven't looked at it because. I don't look at anything else we do in this podcast, so why would I look at that? But um, so is it all for money? I mean, can you do no, the, play money? Yeah, you can do. F- well, I, I mean, it'll just be free. You won't have play money. Oh, that's no fun. <laughs> um, I want to. I want to grind free fantasy leagues. Yeah, yeah. But that won't happen. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, head over there, sure. select your team. Uh, if you want to, uh, unfortunately, Kanish, I don't think is on our player list. Um, neither is Chase Berger, Tommy Fu, uh, any of any of those fictional people you might want to select. Um, I think I think you should change that. If I want Kanish on my team, that should be okay. Um, we'll we'll look into yeah. it. How about that? Yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> I'm not going to try and talk to you any more than I ever can. Uh, yeah, so is there like salary caps or how does that all work? Is it like I just pick my horses and go with it or is it like... Yeah, bas- like basically you're you're given... That. You have to pick 10 players and you're given $1,000 and we've priced out each player um, to a certain a price point and then, you know, just like, I don't know if you've, you've done anything like that. 
Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've seen families with and without salary caps and like how the drafts work and all of that. I mean, is it unique players? Like if you have Ivy, I can't, or that we both just pick teams. No, you just do it on your own. Uh, you can have the same players. Uh, we we wanted to keep them the same players that because if someone you know is has a few favorite players, you know that we wanted to allow them to pick those people. Um, but obviously, if you pick Ivy and Negranu, you know you're gonna have to balance out your team with some crappy people. No offense to them, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I think no offense, to the, no, no offense to the guy you've said cost twenty dollars. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think it'll be sadly. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that's the kind of guy that's gonna listen to this podcast. So it's more likely to be offended, but yeah, um, we're more of a twenty dollar than hundred dollar kind of crowd no offense yeah that's true um so some of the our audience might actually be on there <laughs> um and be pissed off that we rated them twenty dollars but uh our former audience yeah <laughs> um so yeah uh you have to try it out um i'm excited for it i it's something that i always wanted uh so i thought well let's get together and let's make it happen and speaking of making things happen, uh, I don't know, have you s- seen the Boom documentary trailer just released? I did. What, what it, was, th- it was better, th- I mean, not that I thought it was going to be bad, but I think of a lot of internet poker players as being kind of boring and not super communicative. I mean, sort of like how I sound now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, very. Just, in, just, it's a very introverted crowd. Yeah, I mean, like, you just watch some of those guys that, like, do well on like w- WPT and they'll do the post interviews and it's like well I got it in you know with King Nine and I'm a 68 percent favorite so I thought and it's just while they they're I mean they're obviously really bright guys they're just not interesting to listen to and they don't you know where the people in this trailer it really seemed like an interesting story and it, I could see people that are not people that are not involved in poker at all but people that are kind of on the fringes have friends and family that play are like oh wow that actually kind of looks like an interesting story yeah yeah I think. Uh is it D Moon Girl? I, I think is um, her name, her her online name. But sh- she was a wise choice, and I'm I'm sure. Sh- and uh, it it just seems like it's gonna be a really really quality flick. And I was I was I saw the the trailer. I tweeted it. And I was just like I'm I'm super excited to check it out. Yeah, I mean I don't. I mean I think and documentaries are kind of in now in some ways. Like I think people before documentary was like oh it's that boring movie where things like King of Kong. Yeah, I think it's sort of crossed over the boundaries between like documentary and entertainment that people realize, oh, a true story can actually be pretty entertaining. There's some interesting characters that exist in real life, not just in fiction. And I think hopefully this will bring that forward and kind of, you know, let people know what's going on, that it's not a bunch of, you know, degenerates losing money on the Internet. There's people that actually have plans and bankrolls and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved what they did with uh, From Busto to Robusto. Um, some of the same people involved with those, um, and yeah, I mean the the trailer just looks really good. I, I immediately showed it to my coworker because I was so excited, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's cool." I was like, "You're obviously not as excited as me. <laughs> get, get more excited." <laughs> yeah, um, I don't sh- I don't show things to my coworkers that play poker because they're all really negative and would just tell me how much it sucked, and I don't want that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I know they, they're going to show like the ups and the downs, so it's going to be nice to like, 
I, I hope they do it in a very unbiased manner, and I think they will. At least that's what I've heard. Um, that they're, you know, it's not just like, oh, here's Krantz and Taylor Kaby and Donnie Stern and all the successful people, you know. And there's no one out there who ever went broke ever. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and there's the flip side, and I hope it doesn't come off too much like, oh, yeah, they won a lot of money, but they look like just crazy. I mean, you watch Two Month, Two Millions as someone who's not aware of what's happening, and it looks like they're just throwing a bunch of money on the internet and, like, clicking buttons. Like, it didn't – that didn't really show the skill involved in what they were doing, so it's it's yeah. tough to to show the skill without being really boring about it, but it's kind of towing the line of making them not look like degenerates without putting people to sleep. So it looks like they're going to be able to do that to some degree. Yeah, hopefully they'll be, they'll be able to show them as real people and show them as real people with, like, real skill and stuff. So I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm I'm really excited for it, so... Um, what else is going on in the poker world? Um, I mean, the, I think the big, the other big story that I've been paying attention to is Eric Seidel just this year is just kind of crushing. And so he just won another event. So that, that puts him up at like five and a half million dollars in 2011, which, you know, it's not too shabby. Yeah, that's not bad at all. <laughs> I, mean, I know. That's like, like a third of his, of his winnings ever or <laughs> in the last five months. That's solid. Yeah. I mean... Same people who brought us Boom brought us the micros, and and if you've seen uh, the cyborg uh, stuff, then then you're you know exactly what we're talking about. I mean, he's just crushing it. No, I mean it's funny. People talk about you know Ivy has eight bracelets, and you know how long until he catches Helmuth and becomes the top bracelet guy. And I I just don't people hear people mention Seidel very often, and he's always kind of been that guy that just kind of does stuff. And I mean, Ivy did it to the same degree, but no one else is excited about him. They just kind of sit down and play and that's it. I mean, and really, you know, you're going to call that site own Ivy. I would call it own site L. If I was going to buy one <laughs> guy right now, that's the guy I want. Yeah. Uh, that's not a bad idea. We might have to look into that. Um, the way he's been playing, the way he's, I mean, obviously he's running good. I mean, I think he'll be the first one to tell you that he's running good. Um, but I mean, clearly he is is crushing, and it's not just because of run good. I think everyone agrees he's one of the best players. Yeah, I mean, there's run good, but I mean, it's not like you know, luck boxing a tournament. I mean, to to run like that, there is a degree of skill that the average you know person can't sit down and just put a bunch of money on the table and just you know win five and a half million dollars over. Well, I think it's like eight or nine tournaments. I mean. And he's, it's serious competition. I mean, it's the high roller event, so he's playing against you know the top tier guys. It's not you know winning in a big field, which involves luck boxing, but you're also playing against a bunch of monkeys that are just throwing their chips at you, and you just have to catch them. Yeah, it's, that's like Phil Helmuth's skill, isn't it? I think, yeah. I mean, and not to knock Helmuth, I mean that is he does do that well, but it's not. It's a very select situation where he will do well. I think now, where I think Seidel, I mean, is. Has he has an edge in any field that he's in, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, unless it's heads up versus Ivy, I think uh, Seidel's going to be in good shape. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's a very tough situation, just being heads up against Ivy. But I mean, even that, I think Seidel can hold his own in that situation. Oh yeah, I I think edges are minuscule at that point. But I mean, I I mean, I don't know how much heads up experience. Uh, Seidel has, but you, you you'd at least give the edge to Ivy in that you know he's played Isildur or Isildur. Um, everyone calls him Isildur, and it's and I'm pretty sure it's Isildur, 
But um, anyway, we cleared that up. Yeah, it's just a little uh, pet peeve of mine. Um, anyway, uh, you know, he played him heads up matches online. I'm sure he's played you know many many other people online, and I just I don't know if I can say the same for Sidel. But Seidel's a robot, and so I mean, I think it balances out. Well, that's true. So I, I don't know. I, I think Seidel's obviously crushing this year. Um, it'll be. It, I'm. I'm excited. How many bracelets does he have? I think he has eight. I think. I mean, I didn't actually think to do research, but I'm pretty sure he <laughs> and Ivy are both at eight. Is that's in my head? That's kind of been the. Is they both were three away from Helmuth. So. Oh, okay. I'm. I mean, if if he's going into the World Series running like this, I mean. Run good or not, your confidence has to be at an all-time high, and that's I think that goes a long way in a tournament. So yeah, I I would be surprised if he doesn't win a bracelet, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins more than one. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously winning more than one bracelet is a feat in and of itself. Even though it happens every year, you know, to to actually pick one guy and say he's going to do it, obviously is is. But I mean, if if you were going to pick anyone, obviously he's the one. Um, I just looked it up; he does have eight bracelets. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would not be surprised to see him get a ninth because, like you said, confidence is just confidence in, in, in anything. It's just so so important. You're going to be able to make plays that that you wouldn't other- have otherwise made, and it's it's huge in, in, in pretty much anything you do. And, and I, I think it demands respect too. Is I mean, people that have seen how well he's running, you get heads up in a pot with him. You're going to be thinking about that. Is man, this guy's been crushing. And you, it's gonna, you know, make people flinch. Yeah, definitely. He'll fold when they wouldn't have otherwise folded, or you know, whatever he needs to do. I'm sure he'll figure it out. Um, yep. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, subjectpoker.com isn't is, is I'm pretty sure that's the URL. Just subjectpoker.com. Is that right? I think that's right. I just know it is subject poker, and yeah, I that's start. Yeah, that's that's right. right. Yeah, it's subjectpoker.com. Uh, they just launched uh, Noah SD. Uh, fellow Deuces Cracker, um, along with someone else, I apologize to the other person, <laughs> uh, uh, founded this site, and it's basically a poker news site uh, without any sponsorships or affiliates or anything that would cause them to possibly be swayed in one way or the other uh, when they uh, write articles. So I think... It's pretty much the Fox News of poker news. Yeah, I was thinking that too, that it's just like Fox News. Yeah, not at all. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, what do, what do you think? It's, the, it's sort of the opposite of all cable news. It's the BBC of poker news or something, I don't know. Yeah. No, like, I think it's great. I mean, I think that's always been you know, a, a concern of a lot of things. You look at what Bluff runs... But then you see Bluff running all of these UB ads and sponsorships and promotions and all this stuff. And you have to think, this is entering people's mind is, oh, if I say this about UB, you know, what will that do to our business relationship? Or someone higher up is editing articles or whatever. That I don't know if it's happening, but the suspicious part of me thinks that it might. And that's enough that it makes me kind of doubt the integrity of the article and where I think these, I mean, I, I know, I don't, I'm not familiar with everybody who's involved, but I know no SD stuff has just been really solid, and he is willing to go out and say the things that people are thinking and do the research to back it up, and so I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I've, I immediately added um, them to my Twitter list, and I'll be checking the site regularly. Uh, I think, I think knowing, and another point they made on their site was that they're, they're going to try to limit their opinions. So 
you know, it, if you just want to go somewhere for actual straight up 100% facts, um, that's going to be a good place to go. And knowing no- Noah SD is behind it just serves to, to really enforce that you're going to have a lot of facts <laughs> there because he's going to do his research. That's right. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm excited for it. Uh, a good a good example of how you know someone could possibly be tainted is is the PPA. Um, I know that they had because they just stepped stepped down. Um, who was it? Uh, Howard Letterer and Chris Ferguson were on the PPA board. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm not saying this happened, but it could definitely they them being involved and sponsored by uh, Full Tilt and Poker Stars and what what whoever else uh, could have affected their decision making. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about subject poker. Just getting it straight to it. Um, I don't know what what else is going on. Um, I mean, I, the only other thing that I had was I know I got my full tilt rake back payment. Oh yeah, for, yeah, yeah, I did too. I don't, and I, so I mean, I don't know if that really means anything. It's I guess it's another step. I know they've turned around a lot of the transactions that were done after the fifteenth. I tried to get my points out. I think on the fifteenth by buying stuff, and that didn't. That ended up getting reversed. Um, hope I get my MGR back. But I think that, I mean, anything time Full Tilt does anything, everyone gets really excited and like, oh, maybe this is it. But they just still haven't said anything, and it makes me really nervous. So I yeah. think this isn't making me feel like something is happening towards me getting my money back. It may just be them getting their ducks in a row so that their liability is down. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think, if anything, it's it's got to be some positive news. Um just just a, just a sign of pro- of some form of progress but i mean could they be handling this any worse i mean unless they the only i guess the only way they could be handling this worse is if they came out and just laughed at everyone um but but to be just totally silent i mean to essentially be lumped in with uh, ultimate bet and absolute poker and possibly even have them pass you uh, is just not good for business. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I, I AP announced that hey, we have this new deal. We finally signed a deal. We're, we don't want our domain names back. Our domain names back. You guys keep those. We don't want them. Yeah, we have a deal. So no more U.S. players. I sat down that night and played on you on AP just to see if I could, and I could. So I don't really know what AP is doing, but they're announcing agreements saying they've blocked U.S. players, and I went and. With no trouble, I didn't like go through a you know a VPN or anything like that. I just sat down and sat at a table, and that to me said this, that things are really bad at AP. So full tilts, I think, is going to be slow getting their money back, but I think they're going to do it. They have enough of a market share outside the U.S. that I don't think they'll blow it. Yeah, I agree. I think, I'm guessing it's a, it's more liquidity issues that they have money tied up in other things and didn't keep it separate, but it's going to happen. Where AP and UB, I. I know people are offering like twenty cents on the dollar for money over there, and I wouldn't put it that low. But I'm also not buying money at twenty cents on a dollar. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely. I, if if I had, well, I do have money now in full tilt because of my rake back. I've got. <laughs> <laughs> I was all happy before because I didn't have any money on any site, um, but now I got some money. But, um, but yeah, I I would still be more confident with my money on full tilt at this point. But it, it's still they're just. I, they're not handling it well. Whether it's they're not saying anything, or uh, because I mean, I mean, seriously, like how messed up? I mean, we don't know the ins and outs, but it just seems like that they didn't have things 
well organized, and obviously Poker Stars did. Yeah, I mean, to me, if they were to come out and say, "Hey, we have your money; it's tied up in other things. We gotta, you know, go through the motions of or the process of getting it out and all of that," yeah, people are gonna be mad, but they're gonna be mad for at least valid reasons. Where now it's like people are imagining, like, "Oh, Chris Ferguson is taking all the money and like is buying a bunch of cowboy hats with it. We're never gonna get it." Yeah, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think that's happening. Like, it's not like that. It's not like AP, where I wouldn't be surprised if people are like just grabbing money and dashing like it is sort of i think full tilts run like a company and i don't think some of the other sites are just a bunch of guys with servers just kind of doing stuff and cackling to themselves where but with that comes you know telling the public and telling your customers hey here's what's going on instead of like oh yeah we're going to announce we're pushing the announcement back we're pushing the announcement back that just makes them look really bad and i think they could avoid that by just saying you know, here are the things we're trying to figure out. We'll let you know as soon as we do. That would be a step in the right direction for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, s- s- literally, if they said the words, because of this reason, that reason, and that reason, you will not be able to get your money until September. That would be better than what's happening right now. Right. So I, I agree. I think it would set expectations, and that's that's the biggest thing for me, is if I know... Oh, there's a delay. I can deal with it. But if it's if I keep thinking that you're jerking me around, it makes me think that you're never going to give me my money, and that makes me uncomfortable because I, unlike you, do have money on there, but yeah. not much. But still, money's good. Yeah. But oh well. Um, I think we're gonna finally get to that whole uh, Tommy Angelo thing that I'm sure people are waiting for. I don't think anyone's waiting for that. They were listening for the news. Oh yeah. Well, you're probably right. Um. No. Let's but do it. Yeah, let's get to that. Um, up next, Tommy Angelo. Okay, guys, uh, we are now bringing on Tommy Angelo. How are you doing, Tommy? Great. All right, that was the interview. Uh, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what, what have you been up to lately? Well, I just came out with a brand new book. Pretty exciting. Uh, release date was May 1, and now I'm just... Peddling it around the poker verse. Okay. Get ready to go to Vegas. What uh what are your plans for Vegas? I know uh I played with you and Wayne at the DC home game last year. Uh are you gonna be attending those meetups oh, again? And abs- go ahead. Uh, definitely. Yeah. In fact, let me uh it's like the the date is already set on that. Yeah, it's um, the Thursdays, there's three Thursdays in June. I think it's like I should know this, but it's like uh, June thirtieth. June thirtieth is the is the home game. Yeah, and then the yeah. two prior Thursdays are also uh, events. Right. I won't be at the pre the two prior ones, but I definitely will be there on the thirtieth. Okay. If you're gonna be there, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be at the home game. Bryce will be at the home game too. Uh, I think, right? Yeah, they're dead money all around. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And my other question on on that was, is, if Wayne is going to be there, is he going to be less of a nut peddling nit this time? Actually, he is. Uh, yeah, I can. I think I can promise you that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be there or not, but but his nut peddling uh, has come is is much more in check. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> I just remember time. last time we were we were playing uh Slomaha which turned into or no Romaha which turned into Slomaha and right. he, and he was just folding his way around just looking at us weird. Right. Yeah. No, I think he's going to be let's say 
more non-resistant this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you going to like get him drunk or something? <laughs> yeah, I got. Yeah, we've got. We finally found the right medication. You know, it's working. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So, so uh, any any specific plans for the World Series? I'm going to do pretty much what I did last year, except more of it, which I'm coming down three times for uh, five nights each time, staying at the Rio. Basically, my life there is I have a scheduled lunch and dinner every day with a friend or client or writer or somebody and play poker the rest of the time and text people. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much it. And have coffee breaks. Sounds are, you playing, are you playing any events in the World Series, or are you just playing cash games? Just cash games. I pretty much play – I really like the, uh, the cash game room at the Rio, and I pretty much park myself in the 510 Little Limit game. I really found a home there. Oh, okay. Really like, yeah. Just no, no interest in the events? Have you, have you played any? Or? Um, actually, I've never played one. And, um, so, but I, am, I do have an idea for a little prop bet. This year, I'm willing. I'm going to put out there, which is, I'm willing to bet a million dollars that I will not play any events. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like you have an like, edge in that bet. <laughs> are you so, laying odds on that at all? I'll lay. I'll lay whatever. Because <laughs> I know people that'll take like any bet at a thousand to one, right. and as I, long as I, I don't have to, you know, put the money up front, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably get backers. So, yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, if, if if I had a thousand to one on that bet, could I somehow get Wayne to convince you to play? <laughs> no, I've just never. It's really um, at, at every kind of stage. There's always been various reasons why I never played any. But at the beginning, it was just because I used to go there all the time. Uh, but my bankroll would be like, you know, three grand or whatever. So they were just out of my price range in the '90s. And then I started playing small tournaments when Lucky Chances opened in the late 90s, like morning tournaments, four-hour tournaments, and played a lot of those and just really didn't develop a taste for that format of competition, basically. And that's – then, then, but there were a couple of times I played a couple like $200 buy-in ones, 500 – you know, some $500 buy ones. I did play a ton of sit-and-goes and and some multi, uh, you know, MTTs online in the – like 2001, 2002, and – uh, I guess the main reason from a strictly business standpoint that I didn't play them, when I, what happened was I knew that I didn't like to play them, and I also knew I didn't think it was profitable or nearly as profitable as cash games. And so then I was like trying to figure out why. And I think the main two reasons were that I couldn't pick my opponents and I couldn't pick my quitting time. And when I realized that, then I was like, then I had a logical reason to you know, prefer cash games behind behind just like an instinctive one, and that was it. I never really thought about playing one since then. Well, that makes sense. Now, but now, if anyone listens to this, you're you're single handedly going to drive down the numbers of all all the entrants to the tournaments because they're like going to be like, well, that makes sense. Why would I play a tournament? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Maybe. Well, uh, but that works out fine because then there'll be more bodies over there in the cash game where I'm playing. So, see, it's all it's all part of the master plan. <laughs> Yeah, don't ruin his hustle. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I've I've heard that the you know with with all the jazz going on online uh, I, that the cash games are going to be uh, even more just, prevalent. Yeah, yeah, there'll probably be more of them. Not necessarily softer, but yeah, you know, just, that'll be interesting to see because you never know how like an online guy is going to react to live. Maybe he's going to start 
you know, trying to b- take his online game directly to live, which, if you don't know, isn't a good idea because it's, people just play way differently. Yeah, it's a different world, that's for sure. So, but there's also just going to be, you know, the body count's going to be way down, right? What is the latest uh, estimate for, say, World Series uh, main event entrance? I mean, I've heard the question posed to many people, and everyone essentially said they had no clue. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've seen very wide estimates. Like, I, I forget what the number that, that Durr was offering someone on a bet, and it just seemed really high to me. I would... I mean, I would think with the people who have their money tied up online and can't get it out of full tilt, combined with like the fact there's not going to be people satelliting in, I would think it would be way down. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, too. I mean, definitely when you have less money, to then you're not like you said when you had a three thousand dollar bankroll, you you weren't going to play. So if someone has, let's just say, a twenty thousand dollar bankroll, but fifteen thousand of it is tied up, then they're going to have sort of the same mindset. Right. Um, exactly. Worth noting that that was close to my bankroll last year, but I still played the 1K document for some reason, so not good <laughs> bankroll management. <laughs> well, but there's more. I mean, there's there there is a lot of um, potential emotional value in just playing. You know, one of those things. I could totally see that. There was a time, actually, a time when I sort of craved it was the time I couldn't afford it. <laughs> you know, so I think that's natural. You know, you yeah. you, you see that girl that. Uh, you know, you really, really want to date, but then you start dating her, and you're like, "Well, the chase is over now. I don't even want to hang mm-hmm. out with you. Mm-hmm. Stop calling me." <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's, that's just me. It's good. And see, when I play poker, it's the same thing. Like I bet, and I'm like, "Why do they keep calling me? I don't understand." So <laughs> I wouldn't call me. Why would they call me? <laughs> So speaking of uh, you know playing live and the and the, the transition, uh, do you have yeah. any do you have any sort of tips for all the the online recluses that are going to have to come out and experience their first taste of live poker and actually engage in real conversations, maybe even throw in some proper hygiene? <laughs> yeah, um, actually, this is a topic that has come up with some of my clients who I do ongoing coaching with, and so. Yeah, I've, been, I've had some uh, chances to think about some of this stuff and talk through some of it. And some of the specifics, uh, if you're talking about somebody who is, let's 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 devise like a basic profile. What are we talking about? Like a 23 year old who's been playing a lot online and almost never played live. Yeah, I would, I would say I would say pretty much never played live. Maybe okay. you know once at a okay. home game or something. Right. I think the most important thing uh, by far is to be working on and thinking about uh, your own impatience and be ready to go places you've never gone before in terms of frustration and (laughs) and possibly massive leaking before the flop uh, just because of the sheer change in number of hands dealt. You know, that's got to be the biggest difference of – you know, so the way I would, the way I look at it is not just think, okay, I got to go in there and be patient, but be ready for for you know have some failure built into the system. I mean, expect this to be a challenge, and be studying it like right away. You know, as as you're looking at all the other things that are different. I mean, it, it, you know, I'm sure there are some guys that are just going to go in and they're smart and adaptive. It isn't that hard 
to sit there and watch what other people are doing live, you know, and say, okay, well, that makes sense. I'm going to do that or whatever. You know, it doesn't take, it wouldn't take somebody that long who's really sharp, who's a really good poker player to figure it out. But to, to accelerate it, I think the most important thing is to look at it in advance at what you think would be the biggest problem. And I think most likely that's just going to be being, getting impatient and getting frustrated because there's so little action compared to what you're used to. Yeah, I definitely agree. I know whenever I'm playing live, and I play, I've played live a fair amount, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you're used to four to six tabling online, then you can easily fold the the Jack-10 offsuit under the gun, but it gets right. prettier and prettier when you don't get any hands for an hour. <laughs> and more than that, it you don't get any hands for an hour, and the guy who, well, let's just put you not quite under the gun but the guy who's already in the pot is you know the guy you hate yeah. you know and yeah. i could just go into you know just pick all the adjectives you want to describe this nasty person <laughs> and now you just can't wait to knock him off on a hand you know so i mean you add it all up it's a gonna be a real problem for some people i think yeah so that's what i would zero in on first um and then and the other thing it I think it's one of the biggest differences just not having the stack size information sitting there nice, nicely digitally <laughs> laid out for you to look at, you know, so that you can problem solve instantly. Yeah, and, you have and, all the, and the pot right. size to go along with that. All, all that, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Pot size and stack size, exactly. So that, I think, is another thing that if it were me and I were, you know, some kind of like, you know, a really good student or whatever who liked to start out learning stuff, which... I never really have been. If I was, then what I would be looking at is like, okay, how can I train myself to, you know, know what the stack sizes are? Um, Personally, I really don't like, you know, having to say, you know, how much you got. Um, I I would almost rather be wrong about the stack size than ask sometimes. Um, But that's why I pay really close attention. You know, so the standard advice I give on this is to kind of til- kill two birds with one stone, which is try to train yourself to just look around at the stack sizes, just a quick glance before every single hand. I mean, that's kind of impossible, but in theory, yeah. as many hands as possible. And that is a refocusing technique, and it's an information-gathering activity, and there you go. So how how do you, like, you, you know, you see four stacks and they're different sizes like do you have any any tips on like just quickly like i know you know i would i stack mine in you know sizes of 20 um, oh yeah actually that's a really good question yes you i mean because i've stacked i stopped stacking mine in 20s pretty long time ago um just because other people did it and so i've generally stacked in 25s or 30 this is playing limit hold'em in you know in the old days when having a big chip stack was just <laughs> the way you did it. Okay. And so having stacks of 25 or 30 and having like somewhere between 10, 15, 20 stacks was like fairly normal. So because of that, I I have been sort of trained at counting down a chip stack pretty quick. But I would say that you need to know what a 25 stack looks like and a 30 stack looks like because I think you're going to see that maybe even more as more tournament players are playing um, who are used to stacking them higher. Okay. Uh, but then it just depends on what game you're in, you know. Knowing the, the the absolutely the trickiest trickiest part of it is cash on the table. You know, in a game with no cash on the table, it should be pretty easy to have a accurate enough assessment of what the stacks are before the hands start, so you're never completely caught with your pants down. Like 
you know, betting totally the wrong size because his stack was so small or whatever. Um, but with cash on the table, people can lay it flat, you know, so a guy can have five bills there and it could look exactly like 10. And the only thing you can do there is sort of track the game, you know, and keep track of what's going on. So like when I come back from a break, the first thing I do is I look around and see if there's been any major shifts, you know, cause I want to know who won a big pot, who lost a big pot. So just, Scoping the stack sizes as a, just a routine action, I think, is a really good thing uh, to do in general. So if I was going from online to live, that's what I would be working on. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great stuff. Um, any sort of uh, tips on how to review the, your session? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I was just saying because, you know, we we... We have our, you know, Hold'em manager, our poker tracker that tracks all the hands for us. We can run some filters afterward. Uh, live, you know, what I find myself often doing is just really mulling over, you know, three or four hands over after the session and just trying to uh, either I'll either I'll email them to myself the, as many details of the hand as possible and just so I can remember it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't know if you had any better. Well, no, that that would be, yeah, I, that's. If, do you mean doing it all by yourself or with others or both? I just, just meant like being able to uh, review them well. Like like I said, you know, remembering all the necessary details. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we can, we all have our poker friends to be able to review them with. Just, you know, you don't have the, the, uh, the bevy of information that. Yeah, if you're talking about um, just, you know, texting or, you know, taking a note in your phone or an email to yourself that just lays out the outline of the hand. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It might even be good if it helps you forget about the hand during the session, because you know, you don't have to remember it because you you wrote it down. Yeah. And then you're not thinking about that hand when you, when you need to be thinking about this hand. Right. So. Okay. um, Yeah. I mean, kind of related to that was like, I'm, you know, I, I use a HUD. I'm used to my having my stats in front of me. I have a lot of numbers. I mean, some of them more relevant than others. Are there certain things that you kind of track? Like, wow, that guy is, you know, opening this amount or this often, or like, what are there general kind of statistics, not necessarily numeric, that you'd have in your head to develop a read on somebody as far as loose or tight or whatever? Um, well, I yeah. I suppose, but it, it's not really comparable to HUD because, you know, with HUD you've got this data that you that might not even be collected, you know, right then. And there's a translation process that you sort of train yourself to do to how that affects your, you know, decision matrix or whatever. And I think playing live, you know, the nature of live is just it seems more uh, – it shifts faster and it's like more spontaneous um, – but when I'm when I'm trying to size up a player, and there are a lot of ways I do that, but kind of without, I couldn't really list them. But one of them is I'm I'm always on the lookout for how positionally sensitive t- they are. So if it looks like a guy's out of line, you know, but he's always out of line on the button, or he's you know stealing from the blinds or whatever, his his activity level could be pretty high, but he could still you know be a tough player. But the but if I see a guy opening under the gun a couple times with, you know, not great hands or limping, you know, I'd si- I would tend to size him up as a pretty weak player pretty quick. I don't know if this is on track with what you were talking about or not. 
Um, in terms yeah, of trans, in terms of, are you kind of talking about translating the HUD, you know, experience to uh, that analysis of data to live? Yeah, it's just kind of figuring out. Like, I mean, for me, I'll sort of use you know my top you know line of statistics to kind of pigeonhole somebody into kind of a general tight aggressive, loose aggressive sort of image. And then there's other things that. Like, I, you know, there's not as much three-betting live, but I'll definitely, yeah. oh, this guy's three-betting a lot or not very much. But keeping track of all of those kind of elements of a player live seems like a little bit, a little daunting to me. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of trying to figure out what sort of things, okay, this guy is, you know, a maniac. And I also noticed, wow, he check raises a lot of flops. Like, are there certain things that are statistics that you really find important in developing reads or is it all just part of a bigger picture it's yeah it's it's all just with the flow i know that isn't very helpful but i really think that even even a you know someone who's fairly new at it i mean there's going to be a learning curve but let's say a guy plays online he's never played live at all okay well it's going to take you know a few weeks let's say of playing every day to where he's comfortable enough with all the other stuff that's going to be nerve-wracking and weird and you know, hard to deal with at the first. It's like one thing at a time. But over time, once a player is comfortable at a table, like he belongs there and he's just experienced and feels natural there, then it becomes kind of second nature to size up players because of how he acts or what he says or how he dresses or, you know, just just everything. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And and you mentioned, uh, you know, if you come back from a break, and that, that got me thinking, like, what, what type of... Uh length are your sessions and 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 you said you said break how often do you take mm-hmm. breaks well it's, the sessions i play now are pretty short i mean when i you know if we talk about when i was playing for a living i typically played uh i'd say six to 16 hours okay. <laughs> <Something like laughs> yeah. i mean and and uh and well Okay, before 2003, when I started meditating all that, I didn't take breaks you know, nearly often enough, and I didn't take very good breaks. And then when I started putting more emphasis on taking breaks and this and that, I would take a break, I'd say, no less than once every two hours and uh, take a pretty thorough break. But, but now it's like I'm really recreational. You know, when I play, like even when I'm coaching and I'm playing with a client for – Mutual observation, whatever. We always play low stakes, and you know the highest I play anymore is five ten, and I only play for a few hours. So the whole thing is like a break to me. Basically. Okay, <laughs> it's like po- poker is my break. <laughs> now that makes sense. That's yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah, I'm guessing that that range of six to sixteen. Uh, that, 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 that wasn't. That was like, uh, hey, honey, I'll uh, I'll be home eventually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. Well, you just uh, say I'll be home at you know at six, and whether it's a.m. or p.m., you'll find out when <laughs> I get there. Uh, and you know, depending on who the honey was you know, over the years, you know, the classic is you know, okay, I'll be home at one, and then at two a.m., it's like okay, I'm already in as much trouble as I'm going to get in, so I might as well stay till eight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to remember that. Uh... For what, my next session, oh, it's, and it's uh, infallible logic, I'm going to blame you just so you know if I get in worse trouble. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that will help your case as well. Yeah. Like, oh well, Tommy told oh, me to yeah. do this, so it's okay. Then she can't get mad at you. Oh, no, of course not. She's like, wait, no, you are Tom. And I was like, no, Tommy. And I was like, ah, oh, never mind. It's eight a.m. Just go back to sleep. 
<laughs> okay, uh, we are going to stop it there for now. Uh, part two will be out next week, uh, I believe. Next week or two weeks, one of those. You'll 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 find it. Don't worry. It will come out. Yes, it will definitely come out. Um, but uh, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, and then fo- you know, follow us on Twitter at Badoogie All Stars to get the updates on future guests and when the second part will actually be out. Yeah, and I think it will be next week, but you know, something could happen. You never know. I will read the Deuces Cracked forum so you can announce when it is, so I know when to show up. <laughs> that's how I learn about these things. And also, you know, be sure to sign up, you know, to subscribe on iTunes so you'll get all the latest updates as we push. I was going to say excellent content, but that would be a lie. Yeah, uh, mediocre I've- content. Supplemented with interviews from interesting people. Yeah, most of the time, except for some of. Except for A.U. Morgan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to call him out like that. You just. I will. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Uh, and then uh, I'll probably post a uh, on my blog when when the next one comes out as well. So check that out if you don't want to follow us on Twitter for some reason. Um, You guys will be so tired about hearing about this if you follow (laughs) us in all the places. yeah, so sorry about that, Mom. <laughs> She's probably the only one. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't follow any of this crap. <laughs> um, I, no, I don't want to subject my mom to this either. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend won't even listen. I've tried to get her to listen, and she's like, no. So See, I try and get people not to listen who know me in person. It's like, no, I don't want to have to look, look you in the eyes after you listen to this. <laughs> So yeah, uh, thanks to Tommy Angelo, and be on lookout for part two next week or whenever. <laughs> this <laughs> is this is Tecmo Super Bowl. Mix in the crouch. All right, bye. Bye.